0: so much for being so loving towards us. God, we are such sinners in need of your grace, for you are truly a holy God, a righteous God, a God who knows and sees all things, who is the standard, who sets the standard. And Lord, we fail constantly those standards, and yet you love us anyways. You sent your Son to fulfill those standards for us so that we can be your children simply by having faith in him and him alone. Thank you, Lord, for that. If there is sin in our heart today, Lord, I I pray that you reveal it to us. Show us where we need to repent. Show us where we need to flee. Show us what we need to lay down and stop hanging on to and run to the cross with empty hands of faith so that you may lift us up by your grace, lift us up by your love and favor, so that we can rest in your Son. God, we also ask too, that you remind us that you are in control of all things. Lord, this place is a scary place. There's lots of things going on in this world. God, help us to remember that you are sovereign through it all. And simply keeping our eyes upon what Your Son has accomplished, keeping our eyes upon You. Help us know that You are working it all in our favor in You by faith in Your Son. Be with those churches around the world that are meeting in the most remote of places. Be with us, Lord. Be with the churches who are meeting all around Walnut or all around the United States of America. Be with all of us. And more specifically, remind us that you love us and your will is being accomplished. Lord, I pray that we lay aside our own wills more and more so we can just rely upon you and have your will be worked through us. Thank you, Lord, for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, the, the gospel message... Is a message of true freedom in a world that is bent on keeping us slaves to sin and death. The gospel says that through faith in Christ alone, you are truly free. Christ himself says in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19, that he has come to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, the gospel is a message that says, Christ has come to do the absolute impossible for you and me. He has come to live the life we could not live, to live a perfect life. He has come to die the death we deserve. He placed himself under the wrath, the eternal wrath of God. And he came back to life to give what we could not earn salvation. Christ has come to do everything for us so that he can be our everything for us through faith in him alone. The gospel is good news for we are truly free now because of God's blessings towards us. His his favor and blessing and love towards us is not based in anything we do for him. God's working all things in this world for our good in Him is not dependent on how good we live our lives before Him. The Gospel says that God's grace is given to you no matter how many times you fall into sin and fail Him. For God's favorable, loving, kind, caring, gracious relationship with you is not founded upon you, but is founded upon Christ in your place. All through faith in Him alone. We become the beloved children of God through faith alone in Jesus, and that's it. And we stay that way through faith alone in Jesus. That's it. If you have faith, you are free. For no matter how many times you fail, no matter how many times you mess up, no matter how many times you give in to temptation, no matter what sin you have committed, if you have faith in Christ, you will never have God's love and favor or blessing leave you or forsake you. The gospel's good news. For you have been truly forgiven in Christ for every sin, past, present, and future. So yes, yes, that means your biggest failure, your greatest mistake, your most atro- atrocious, atrocious, whatever, you know, that bad sin that you would never think you could ever commit or do or don't even realize that's going to happen in your life. If it ever does come about, That sin is already forgiven in Christ before you've even done it. The gospel's good news. Even if your greatest failure is before you, you're saved. It's good news. It says you have been fully restored to God through faith alone. By faith alone in Jesus and His perfect performance on your behalf before God. It's all done in Him. There's no more trying to gain favor with God or keep favor with God, for you have it all and will always have it through faith alone in Jesus, despite your imperfect and inconsistent life in in, in regards to His law. See, the gospel is not do more, try harder, be better. The gospel is all is done in Christ through faith in Him alone. It's good news for us sinners who struggle with addictions, who struggle with pride, who struggle with lust, anger, perversions, envy, jealousy, hate, worry, fear, racism, self-righteousness, self-pity, judgmentalism, harshness, grudges, rebellion, and the list of sins go on and on and on and on. The gospel reveals that God loves sinners such as you and I and and that he lovingly sent Jesus Christ to come save us through faith in him and him alone for we are truly free now in Christ because all is finished in him. Or put differently, all we need to get through this thing that we call life is and will be and has been provided in Christ alone. We have been free to go to Christ with empty hands of faith to rest and receive His transforming power to redirect our minds, to redirect our hearts, to redirect our wills, to be conformed to His. So by looking to Him, He will empower us to live a life of true freedom that will glorify Him. So by relying upon Him and His gospel message of grace then, natural consequences of a changed life will come about in all areas of your life. And one of those changes will be in our relationships with people in our life. Even if they are small and tiny and little tiny inconsistent changes, they will begin and be there. They will begin to come about as a consequence of looking to Jesus by faith alone and resting in his unchanging grace over us. See, there's an interesting dynamic that happens as we dwell on this gospel message. For now, as children of God by faith in Christ, we come to God's word and we begin to see the seriousness of God's law more and more. Whereas one time we blew it off as nothing, Now that we are believers, we begin to see its comprehensiveness in our lives and how truly we cannot fulfill such demands. But whereas before we were believers, God's law was a stench. We thought it was silly. We thought it was dumb. But now that we are believers who have hearts of flesh and not of stone, we now see God's law as the wonderful truth. And we are convicted by it because we know we cannot fulfill it on our own at all. But we have hearts that want to, all out of gratitude because of what God did for us through Jesus Christ, not to earn anything, but because we just want to serve him. So we look and rely upon Jesus, who is our everything, to enable us to do such things. Because we know how weak and feeble we are without him. But with him we are made strong and more than conquerors. So as we look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24... It's important to note then that Paul has been on this mission of giving us the truth of the gospel for a while now and has been shining its light deep into our personal lives. And he's just going to go deeper. To reveal what are the consequences of a free life in Christ the consequences of a free life that we have now. He has been saying, since you have everything in Christ now with no need to gain, you are now free to give yourself away to others because you have been freed from looking to self from anything and freed to looking to Jesus for all things. You have been freed to find your full identity of who and what you are all in Jesus Christ now and to look to him to provide everything for you. And today, Paul's going to get real specific by revealing what a free life in Christ looks like as as our title says, as a Christian wife. Now, just because you're not a wife... Don't just shut down. Like, going on the phone. Okay, don't check out. Because there's gospel truth here that is applicable to us all in some way as we rest in Christ. All of God's word is profitable. So let's look then at the text and what it says in Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your own husbands As to the Lord. Now, what seems to be a blunt and simple statement to women is actually quite fascinating and empowering to women. I know some of you are like, huh? (laughs) How is that possible? Well, this passage is saying both men and women are equal to each other. Women are not inferior to men at all. And because of that, when two come together in marriage, there are different callings to each from the Lord so that there can be harmony and unity in marriage for the glory of God. And this brings us to our first point. A Christian wife voluntarily follows her husband. So without getting too technical here, that word submit, which everyone gets all up in arms about in the world around us. That word means willfully and voluntarily submission. So Paul is saying here that in a marriage, it is the wife that has the it is the I'm going to say it again. It is the wife that has the personal responsibility and call from God to willingly accept the leadership of her of the husband. Or to put more directly, the wife is to make the personal choice to arrange her life under the direction of her husband. Now this implies then that there are two equals in a marriage. And when you have two equals, someone has to give. And what the text states is that it is the wife who is to willingly set aside her ways and let the husband lead. Now again, this word submit, means all of this is voluntar- voluntary on the wife's part. This is not the responsibility of the husband to enforce this, nor should it be. The accountability in living this way is between the wife and Jesus. For Paul says here, as you do to the Lord, and truly what Paul is saying here is that when the wife willingly submits to her husband, she does it because she is following after Jesus by faith in him and his ways of going about life in this discipleship by him and him alone. The wife then, through marriage, in this lifelong commitment to her husband, is to submit to his ways by having his best interests at her heart because the Lord has her best interests in his heart. And that best interest is to have Jesus and his ways be her everything. See, as Christians... We now, by faith, seek to follow after the Lord's ways in all things out of gratitude for what has been done for us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And for the Christian wife, submitting to her husband in marriage is one of those ways. Now, again, so we're all clear, this verse is not saying women are inferior to men because they're called to submit to their husband in marriage. How do we know this? Well, Paul doesn't say for women to submit like this to all men at all, only to their husbands. And even that submission to her husband alone is voluntary on her part for the sake of following Jesus consistently by faith. So men, if you look down upon women in any way, repent, for they are your equals before you and before God. So let me be blunt. In marriage, the roles we are called to live out then before God may be different as husband and wife, but they are just roles and have nothing to do with dignity, respect, uh, respect or worth. Or any type of capacity. Now, now going back to the text, when Paul says, as you do to the Lord, the other aspect of what Paul is saying here is that wives are to remember that they are fully free in Christ now by faith alone in him. So Paul is saying, if you want to live out that freedom that you have in Christ in your marriage... You are to look to Him and His ways as He he has stated in Scripture. For true freedom for all of us in this world, in all that we interact with, with all the people we have relationships with, true freedom is found in God's ways in dealing with it all. For He reveals the truth about everything and everyone around us, all through His Word. The Bible, he gives us then the truth. He gives us all the right perspectives upon life and all the people and all the things in it and how we should be interacting with it all in whatever context we are in. For he is the ultimate source of our truth and through him, we know he gives the right perspective on all things. In John 8, 32, Jesus says, the truth will set you free. So with just this one verse then in Ephesians, two things need to be stated to wives, to Christian wives. First, you need to realize you are not as good at being submissive to your husbands as you think you are. And secondly, you need to take this submissive thing seriously and not overlook it. Now, why would I say that? Well, because my goal, as with Paul here, is to make you look more and more to Jesus for your everything by faith in him and less and less to anything else in this world. Remember, God demands perfection from you. You can't do this on your own. You cannot do this in your own power. For if you are doing it, by not looking to Jesus and think you got a handle on this, you're doing it wrong and creating yourself a self righteousness in it. Or if you're doing it by your own power, you're making yourself miserable with it. But either way, you're not living freely in Christ if you're not going to Him by faith constantly to empower you, to empower this in your marriage. And this is what Paul ultimately is getting at when he says, as you do for the Lord. For the only way for this to work will be by you going to Jesus by faith alone through prayerfully going to His Word to create a right attitude and a right heart in you by trusting in Him that he will show you how to live this truth in your context of life in marriage. Think of me however you will by saying this. But I, as your sinful, wretched pastor, I am pleading with you that you go to Jesus to live this out with your husband. To do it any other way, you're just setting yourself up for misery, failure, or self-righteousness. Paul then expands on this idea even deeper. In verse 23, he says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, what Paul is doing here in speaking of this headship in regards to husbands, he is grounding it in the truth of Christ. Being the head of a wife is not a cultural thing, Not a Paul thing or a male chauvinist thing, but it's a God thing. Paul is saying that the headship of a husband is likened to the headship of Christ over the church. So think of it this way. The term head is in regards to authority and leadership. But really it means, oh, so much more than that. Because the husband's headship is patterned after Christ's headship over the church. So the husband's headship means servant leadership. Where the husband, who has all the authority, right? All this authority to do as he he sees fit in the marriage is called to lay it all down. All of his rights, all of his needs for the sake of his wife's rights and needs. He is called to use all this authority that God has given him to put his wife's interests above his own, even at the cost of his life. See, wives, you're going to get your way anyway. Amen. That's what it means to be ahead head of the wife. That's why it's such an extraordinary calling upon a husband. He makes himself nothing for the sake of his wife. And that's why this whole submit thing, at least that's the way it's supposed to work. And why this submit this thing of wives so fascinating. And Paul will get deeper into explaining and expanding upon that in verse 25 through 33. We're not going to cover that now. Because the focus is on the wife and her submission to her husband. Now notice the text does not say that the husband should be or become head of the wife. No, the text says in marriage, he is the head of the wife. And that's how God designed it. And this brings us to our second point. A Christian wife finds her everything in Jesus alone. So the idea then is that Paul is saying with this whole verse, verse 23, is that the wife should not submit to the husband because he has earned it or that he's deserved it. I mean, he may not even be the best leader, but all that is absolutely irrelevant. For the motive to submit to her husband is to come from the gospel truth that Christ has died for her to do so. He has saved her. He has saved his church to follow after his ways. He has freed us from being obsessed with self and being bent on being self-serving at the expense for pers- uh, at the expense of others for personal gain, and rather he has given a true life of freedom to be empowered to serve others at the expense of personal self for the benefit of others in the Lord. For in Christ. Believers have everything they need and more just to give and give and give to others without the worry of what they can gain in return from others. Remember, Paul is writing to believers and he's focusing currently on believing wives and how they are to live freely in Jesus in their marriage context. And with Paul here speaking about Christ and the church and his body in which he is the Savior, the highlight really is on Christ and what he has done. So with Paul bringing up this voluntary submission of the wife, he is doing it and has been doing it through keeping the wife's eyes upon Christ and how he alone is her Savior and not her husband. Why bring that up? Well, Paul is saying that the wife is to find all of her ultimate fulfillment in Christ and not the husband. The husband cannot fulfill all her expectations, but Christ can and does. He is her savior. He is her true rescue. He is her true relief. He is her true peace. He is her true hope. He is her true security. He is her true foundation that will not be shaken. The husband cannot truly fulfill those things. In fact, he won't. He will fail at those things. In some, more than others. But whatever the case, he cannot fulfill her expectations because he is not the Savior. He is a sinner who is the head of the wife. The husband is not her Savior. He, as Paul will point out later in the text, later on, down and down we go, that he can only encourage through serving her by pointing out that Christ is all of that and more for her alone. Because Christ can only truly fulfill all of that for her. And with Paul saying Jesus is the Savior of the church, Paul is reminding the believing wives, they have all they need and more through faith in Jesus. Christ provides everything for them. So a wife should voluntarily submit to her husband's authority. Because everything she needs to do so is found in Jesus and not in her husband. So you could put it this way she submits to her husband not to get love from him, she submits to her husband not to get respect from him, she submits submits to her husband not to get attention. She really doesn't submit to get anything. From him in some manner. Ideally. But she submits to her husband because she has all that and more in Jesus. She submits from the power of Christ, from the power of the gospel, the freeing gospel in her life, and lets Jesus supply everything she needs so she can submit to her husband in the Lord. And this is why then Paul says in verse 24, Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, in this last verse, Paul brings up that word submit again. But it also has the exact same meaning as the first time he used it. Paul here is saying, just as the church voluntarily submits to Christ in all aspects of life. There's no part of life in which Christ is not over that we're not called to submit to him in. There's no point in a believer's life where Christ's authority is not involved, for we are to voluntarily submit to Christ in all areas of life, even our hobbies, in the mundane things, in the small things, in the tedious things. So too then, the wife is to voluntarily submit to the husband in all aspects of their marriage. Everything. And this brings us to our last point. A Christian wife rests in Christ's power alone. So this submission in marriage then is not a, I will only submit to my husband in most things in our marriage and leave some things out, like finances, or raising our kids, or raising our grandkids, or dealing with certain family members, in-laws, or maybe sometimes they might be your outlaws, I don't know. And so on and so on. no. All aspects of marriage are to be led by the husband, ultimately. Now, does this mean the wife can say nothing? No, of course not. (laughs) For she needs to and should be heard to speak to the marriage and what she sees. For in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, she, as God says, is a helper fit for him, for the husband. She's the helper. So what does this mean? Well, it means then that the final decision then, though, of how to go about things in their marriage, the wife, after all has been said and done, should let the husband have the final say and voluntarily go, go along with it. For Paul says here, Submit to their husbands in everything. Now, real quick. Some might ask, how far does that submission go? Are there limits? Yes. How can I say that if Paul just said everything? Well, it would be everything that is not sinful in a marriage. For Paul would never promote sin in our life. He says in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. By no means. So just as we submit to Christ, or just as we submit to Christ in everything, knowing he will never promote sin in our life, the wife must follow after her husband in all things that are not promoting sin in her life or others. It says in Acts chapter five, verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. So the wife is not to voluntarily submit to the husband if he asks her to sin nor is she to voluntarily endure active abuse by him. So real quick, if you have found yourself in that situation, I need to say that. Seek help, professional help. Speak to a staff member here, speak to a deacon, or speak to to myself. And by the way, that's why it's important to be involved in the church, so when you are struggling or find yourself in a situation like that, the church can come and support you. That's why church is important in our lives, or one of the reasons. But anyways, back to the text. So when Paul says submit in everything then, it is important to remember that the wife is doing it all for the Lord ultimately, for she has his favor upon her, and the wife understands that this is part of what it means for her to be a disciple of Christ and what it means to be free in him and experience the power, his power in her life. She lives for the glory of God now by faith in Jesus. For Jesus has given up his life for hers, and she, in return, has given her life over to him, to Jesus. So she lives by faith in Christ in all things. And this submission to her husband then becomes a mighty way of revealing she is a follower of Christ to uh, to everyone. For all through her humble, voluntary submission to her husband, who is not deserving of any of it, she reveals she is following Christ. So this last statement then, submit in everything. It's meant to have an impact upon you wives, to have you realize that this is not a look within yourself or muster up your own power to do this thing. It's meant to make you think about it. The statement is meant to drive you wives to Christ for guidance and how to do such a thing. It's meant to reveal how weak you are without Christ and to look to him for guidance and also to look for him for your comfort. And knowing that He has already fulfilled this for you by His life on your behalf. That even though you fail at this voluntary submission, Christ has already fulfilled it for you and He's calling you to rest in His finished works. And through that, He will consequently give you the power to submit to your husband and everything. So in the end... This all comes back to resting in Jesus finished work for us all by faith in him for we cannot live up to the standards of God on our own we cannot fulfill his laws on our own for it says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect this is something we can't do on our own but we must trust in another who has uh, trust in another to have it done for us and his name is Jesus He was perfect for us. So just as the wife then can find rest in Christ's perfection in her place, even with her incomplete and inconsistent submission to her husband, and just as a wife can be confident that Christ will produce a biblical submission within her through relying upon him by faith alone and His unchanging grace over her. So we too, as the body and bride of Christ, can find rest in Christ's perfect life for us on our behalf, even in our, in our incomplete and inconsistent submission to the Lord and His ways. For we too can have this absolute confidence that through relying upon Christ and resting Him by, in Him by faith, He will produce such a biblical submission in our lives before Him in all things for truly it is finished in Christ. So let us go then to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to pray with one of the deacons, they'll be up here. Let us rest upon Jesus to have him work his ways within us. Heavenly Father, God, this is a very hard subject, but Lord, it also could be a very freeing subject if we look at it from your gospel to know that all of this has been fulfilled through you. God, I pray now that the wives and those who will be wives will be able to rest in you and look to you for all things. God, I pray that those who are not wives, all of us, men and women, will be able to see, to see the wonders of your working in the wives' lives around us and know that there is power in this gospel. And that we can be confident in trusting you that you will never leave us nor forsake us even when we're unfaithful to you. And Lord, I pray that if someone doesn't know you here today, that today they come to know you. For truly, you have done everything for us to simply rest in your unchanging grace by faith alone. We pray this in your son's name, amen.